Welcome, welcome back to DB and the Heave. You got myself, DB, down here in Houston, Texas, as always. Uh, my boy, the Heave, up in Denver, Colorado. Heave, how are you? How was the weekend, man? Doing pretty well, man. Doing pretty well. Uh, fun weekend with sports. Obviously, on Saturday, we had the, the big fight everybody was talking about. So, it looks like uh, it kind of uh, ended. Uh, I mean, Ter- Terrence Crawford dismantled. Errol Spence Jr., the uh, the Texan, in the uh, in the ninth round, TKO before that. Had a couple knockdowns. I think it was in the second round, I believe. He went down twice, and then in round set in the seventh round, I think there was another. Uh, he, he went down to the to the mat as well. Uh, but you know, congratulations to him. It was a very very big fight. He's now the undisputed welterweight champion. Yeah, 35 years old. He really really uh, took care of business against uh, Spence. So. Um, congratulations to him. Uh, did, it did look like it was a, uh, a stoppage by the, uh, the referee, but in that last round, it looked like he was, he was getting beat up pretty good. I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, man, I got to watch the fight and he knocked him down early, uh, came, I think it's the seventh or eighth round. He had a few drinks. Don't remember exact round now, but he definitely, he knocked him down a couple of times Errol Spence, when they called the fight, just really didn't look like he was able to defend himself, just kind of running from getting hit, tried to throw a punch or two, did not connect, didn't really look, it didn't appear to be close that he was going to connect. And at that point in time, the ref jumped in and stopped it. And it's usually one of those things when you're watching with a group of friends like I was, you're always kind of thinking, oh, man, they shouldn't have stopped that. He could have gone. Everybody turned and was like, he really, that's a good stoppage. It was time. This guy was going to get hurt. He was just getting knocked down. He was getting up, but he just didn't have his hands where he needed them. And there was really no defense. He was starting to get pummeled. It was a good fight. Terrence Crawford did just whip his ass. I don't know that they'll fight again. I don't know if we'll get a rematch. It was pretty clear and decisive. Maybe we do. But I think Terrence Crawford will keep moving on. I don't know who he's going to fight next. Whoever he's going to fight next, this guy might be the might have ascended to the top of the pound for pound rankings. And so whoever he's got, they better watch out because they're they're probably going to get their ass kicked too. So yes, we'll Spence in, in in Texas in Texan fashion, fellow Texan fashion, uh, he was very gracious at the end of the fight. He basically said, you know. He was using his jab, and his timing was off a little bit. He was catching him in between shots, and he makes no excuses. And was very gracious to the uh, the new undisputed welterweight champion. So uh, we always like to see that. It does look like there's a uh, bi-directional rematch clause that Spence can trigger within 30 days of the fight. Uh, he did vow to be, quote-unquote, a lot better the second time around. So it does look like there's going to be a rematch, and we will be able to see that again. Um, in typical boxing fashion, <laughs> these big fights, we usually get trilogies, right? Um, so we'll see how that, uh, how that happens. If, uh, Spence is able to train a little bit better and, and show up a little bit better, you know, a little bit more lean maybe. Yeah. That is kind of one of the things I do enjoy about fighting in general, boxing, UFC, whatever it may be. You do typically in fights like that, look for a trilogy. And every other sport, we play series, best three out of five, best four out of seven. So even though boxing or UFC or any fighting is kind of one and done, 
the trilogies and the clauses, like you said, in their in his contract there, allow for the rematches and allow for a little bit of a series in that boxing match. When they're good fights, it builds the anticipation for the next fight, but this was billed kind of as the fight of the century and the fight of the 2000s that we've all been waiting for. The two undefeated guys going head-to-head, toe-to-toe right there in the ring this Saturday night. Terrence Crawford just bettered Errol Spence. Yeah, Crawford, after his win, he he definitely was uh, pretty vocal about uh, his position on things. Uh, he said, quote, uh, they tried to blackball me. They kept me out. They, ca- they always kept me out. Uh, they talked bad about me. They said I wasn't good enough, that I couldn't beat any of these top-tier welterweights, and I just kept my head in the sky, and I kept praying to God, and I would get the opportunity to show the world who Terrence Crawford is, and tonight I believe I showed how great I am. So congratulations to him. Worked his butt off. You know, still undefeated, and uh, he's at the top of the hill. So, no other place for it, better place for it to happen at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Um, so, I'm sure it was a hell of a show, and there's probably a hell of an after party, I would think. I would think so. I mean, he came out to the ring with Eminem and Dr. Dre and all those guys. So, I have a feeling they know how to party. Just, who, just a who, hunch. Who's buying drinks? You know, that's that's what I'd like to know. With that entourage. Uh, I'm thinking the casino's getting some comps because they're selling tables at ridiculous prices for that for those guys being there. Absolutely. Hey. So you, you want you want to get into a little uh, MLB trade deadline stuff? I know we've been talking about that and kind of beating that horse to death, but things are definitely heating, heating up with the trades. We had a lot of trades that went down towards the end of the week, but in between podcasts. Um, I don't know if you want to hit on some of those. I think we have to hit on them, and I think the place that you start is the team that's been the biggest buyer. Well, at least feels to me and you, I would assume the biggest buyer is the Texas Rangers. A role Chapman last week to give them their other relievers. So they've picked up two relievers and they've picked up two starting pitchers, uh, especially the guy with two eye colors over there, Max Scherzer, who I always butcher his name. Um, he coming from the Mets and he picked up his option. I think the Rangers... They did give up their prospects, but, hey, if you're buying for this season, I'm taking Scherzer, um, and that's a great pickup. You're only picking up $22.5 million of his salary, and the Mets are picking up the other $35 million, and that's his remaining salary for the rest of this year and next year. And then you picked up Jordan Montgomery, who's been very solid all year for – the St. Louis Cardinals. I think going back to probably 2010, 2011, teams have made big trades. Jake Peavy, back-to-back years, was a big part of it. The Verlander for the Astros. The Astros didn't have something too big last year, but that's okay. Yeah, and the Braves picked up uh, in their World Series run, changed up their whole infield. They picked up Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario, and Jorge Soler. So you do see a lot of teams make those trades at the trade deadline. And a lot of times these players make an impact for that team. So anybody who's made a trade, it's looking good. But just to kind of stay with the Rangers, how about what they did? And where do you think that's going to put them in the playoff mix, Heapster? Yeah, they're definitely all in. Uh, no doubt. Uh, this was a big trade for them, uh, picking up a uh, three-time Cy Young Award winner and Max Scherzer. 
Um, he hasn't been pitching really the greatest this year. He has not had that uh, excellent. I mean, the Mets have kind of been a dumpster fire. We, we've talked about that in the past on the podcast. So he's really been struggling. But, uh, I mean, his stats right now aren't the greatest. Uh, but you're getting a guy that's playoff, uh, you know, it's playoff ready. He's won a World Series before. He's got the postseason experience. Um, and he's definitely going to add depth to that pitching staff. Uh, I think that the Rangers are really looking for a top line starter and they, they've got somebody who's got that capability in the playoffs this year. He's sitting at, uh, um, looks like his ERA is uh, right a, a little bit above four. Um, he's nine and four with an ERA of 4.01, 1.19 whip, um, in, uh, 19 games, 19 starts that he's made already. Um, so he, he, he has not really been the same dominant, uh, three times Cy Young award winner to this point. But uh, the Rangers gave up quite a bit. The Mets are eating a little bit of that salary. Uh, Scherzer had had a no-trade clause that he waived. And I believe the Mets are picking up something like $30 million onto his deal. Yeah, if, I, uh, if I $35 million, and then the Rangers are taking the remaining 22 and a half. So what that netted them was one of their top prospects, an outfielder, Luis Angel Acuna. So he heads to the Mets. The Mets, it looks like they're going through a little bit of a rebuild, you know, or a retool, I would say, because they still got some guys on that team that uh, are older, uh, one being one Justin Verlander. But we'll see what happens with, with him as we move forward towards the end of the week. Yeah, the Mets did say this isn't a fire sale. We're not rebuilding. This is the moves that we need to make for the future of our franchise for the next couple of years. Right along those lines, their GM came out today. It does not feel that way at all. It feels like this is straight-up fire sale. Let's get rid of some salary. We've got some older players. Let's get let's bring in some young blood, and let, let's move from there. I We'll see, like you said, we'll see what happens with Verlander, but the Mets have also traded off quite a few other players. Um, yeah, they also got, got – uh, they also traded away Roberts, I believe, the former Yankee uh, that was their closer – believe he got traded as well so they're they're definitely trading the Mets are trading away some pieces definitely sellers right now of superstar Ronald Acuna Jr. he was the Rangers third ranked prospect in their farm system slides into the Mets and he is now the number two prospect of the Mets farm system so definitely you know that that's a huge piece for them yeah well we'll see how it all plays out again I've got the Rangers pick to take the division I don't see anything changing I don't like that they got Max Scherzer as an Astros fan. He, we saw what he did to the Astros in the World Series when he was with the Nationals. He had our number that year. He pitched very well against us. I, I, don't, I don't like him being on the Rangers as an Astros fan, knowing that, hey, we might see him in the postseason. I don't know that we'll see him in our remaining three-game set. I, I just don't know where the starters are going to fall into place yet for that series, but not a fan of the Rangers getting him. So maybe the Astros have been linked to Verlander. Maybe they make it happen. Dana her Dana Brown, the GM, does not sound like that's going to happen. Yeah, it came out a couple days ago. Dana Brown said that uh, they're not really in the market for a starting pitcher at this time, which is a little surprising. But I just, you know, they weren't really interested once uh, Lucas Giolito from the White Sox actually got traded to the Angels, which was also a big domino that we can talk about uh, as well, because I, I consider them to probably be the, uh, 
the second they're either the first or the second but it's between the rangers or the angels at who's been the biggest buyers so far shohei atane is you know off the market obviously they're they're trying to win right now getting lucas gialetto is uh, is a big deal the white Sox are doing a fire sale uh, you know basically what the mets are saying they're not doing chicago white Sox have been open that they are trading everyone uh, i don't see cease dylan cease being moved at this point now either i think it would be way too much i know the astros were linked to him for a little while i always thought that that was a pipe dream uh, it's just going to be so expensive with all the club control that he has. Still has two years of club control remaining. Um, it, I think it was just going it, it was. It, it doesn't seem like an Astros type of move uh, for, to pick up somebody that this, that's that young. Uh, they're looking for somebody that is more like a rental. The farm system isn't as good. Uh, the Astros did make a trade, though. Um, I don't know if you want to hit on that. Kendall Graveman looks like he's going to be back with the Astros, coming back to uh, where he had some success. Uh, with the 2017 World Series champion Astros, I like the the move. The bullpen needs needs some more players. <laughs> These guys are getting worn out. Dusty tr- trust about four guys out of that bullpen right now, and uh, this time of year, these guys are getting tired. We 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 need an. I think we need another bullpen guy as well to add to Graveman to make sure these guys aren't wearing themselves out. They are going to look for another bullpen arm. I do like that they picked up Graveman. He sounded extremely happy to be back in Houston. I think the bullpen is what we're going to have to share up, or they really need a starter. We are waiting for um, Arkady to come back. That's not looking promising. He's not pitching well down in the minors. He just got rocked in double A. Gave up, I think he had four innings pitched, five earned, and nine hits. So it just wasn't a good look. That was in his fourth rehab start. Now he's supposed to come up to the majors. Almost the norm in the MLB. The Astros haven't done that in a while. The Astros the last couple of years were getting six, seven innings out of their starters. And especially when Verlander and Fromber were rolling last year, it was almost automatic. They're going to give you six solid innings at least, more, most likely seven. You're, they were going to have a lead going into that and your bullpen could come in and shut everybody down. It's not the case this year. So getting Graveman and hopefully at least one more bullpen arm would be great and really help solidify their playoff run. Certainly don't have the starting pitching depth that they've had in former years. No doubt about that. We're leaning on uh, some young guys who've really pitched well, been kind of under heralded. Uh, at this point, uh, how they've kept things together with some of the young guys, guys like Brandon Bilek and also uh, <laughs> the man, the legend. The legend continues to grow of J.P. France, who just seems to be right in his element. At this point, you know, it's crazy to say this because at the beginning of the season, if we said you know J.P. France was going to be a part of this playoff rotation, I think he's solidified himself as a starter in this playoff rotation. Maybe, even the, num- maybe even the number two guy with Christian Javier really struggling. Uh, behind Framber Valdez, you know, J.P. France has been, you know, one of our most consistent pitchers, if not the the the, the next most consistent starting pitcher in our rotation behind uh, Framber Valdez. I mean, I'd argue he's been the most consistent. He's been the brightest spot out of any call-up. He's been a, our best pitcher, arguably the best pitcher for the Astros. He's been consistent for them all, ever since he's been called up. And it was – Kind of unlikely. He was called up. Hopefully, Hayes only going to pitch a couple games. There was a couple guys ahead of him 
in AAA that were hurt. And so we couldn't call him up at the time. He comes in his first game, he was dealing and has not let up. Yeah, he's had a bad start here or there, but it's baseball. You're going to have an off day here or there. That's fine, especially a guy who's not that young. I mean, we do think of him as being younger because they've never been in the majors, but he's 28 years old. He didn't get a shot until he's 28. He's been a lifelong baseball player, and he got a shot, and he's making the most of it. If he finishes off the season how he's pitched, he's not going back to the minors. He's going to be a big league pitcher for the next few years. Kudos to him, man. I'm happy to see it. I'm happy for him. That's life-changing money going from the minors to the majors. And everything he's done for the Astros this year, I argue that he's been the most consistent and might be our number one pitcher at this point in time. Should he be our number one pitcher? No. Our best pitchers definitely should be Javier and Framber Valdez in our starting rotation. They just have not been all season long, and there's been too many ups and downs. I love the high praise for J.P. France. I agree. Uh, I do think that Fromber's been you're, – you're, you're, you're having that, uh, that bar a little high for Fromber. I know he had a bad start, and, you know, that's, that's fresh in our minds, especially that big game against the Rangers. And then you saw J.P. France the night before just throw an absolute gem against the Rangers. We've, we thought that Fromber would come out and just, you know, we would sweep that series. Obviously, that didn't work that way. Things got a little – uh, a, a little wonky in that game with the uh, hit batsman and Simeon and, and, and all those things going on, which, you know, we, we can hit on that. Or uh, I think we hit on that in the last pod. Uh, it was kind of a weird game, but yeah, JP France for sure. Congrats to him. He's been pitching his butt off. No doubt about it. Um, especially with um, Hunter Brown, not really, you know, he's having kind of that sophomore slump a little bit. Uh, we would like to say it's kind of his sophomore year, he didn't really get a lot of time. Really, this is this is Hunter Brown's rookie year, I would say. I would not. I mean, I know he pitched a little bit. And he was on the postseason roster and he contributed out of the bullpen. Uh, but you know, as far as a full season, seeing you know in the rotation the whole time, and Hunter Brown has not really lived up to the expectations that that we thought that he would be. Um, he's still really young. There's still something there. The guy's got electric stuff, but you know. The rotation is a question mark. So I think shoring up the bullpen, uh, anytime you got these young guys that are going to be contributing in the playoffs that haven't been there, you just don't know what you've got until, until you stick them out there. So having extra bullpen guys to eat up some innings, uh, hopefully they get it right, and we'll see where it goes. But uh, the Rangers, you know, they're, they're only one game back right now, and it's looking pretty tough. Obviously, the, uh, the Astros got two big pieces back over the weekend as well in uh, Jordan Alvarez and uh, well, not quite over the weekend, I guess late, you know, going into the weekend, uh, Jordan Alvarez and uh, Jose Altuve are back. We'll see where it goes from here. Uh, Astros lost today. Uh, They did lose the series against Tampa Bay in the rubber match. Uh, But so did, uh, so did the Rangers in San Diego. Um, They only won one as well. So we are still one game back and we'll see where it goes. Jordan and Altuve is going to be huge for the Strohs. I know Jordan got his first homer since coming back. He got it off the catcher last night in the seventh inning when Tampa just said, okay, we're done. Let's bring in the catcher and let's throw some batting practice. And Altuve got his first homer since being back off of him as well. Batting practice helped them. He got to see it in the game and both got a home run. So it was good to see. Good to see him hitting the ball. 
they're going to bring offense to us, and they should. So I'm happy. We'll see where it goes. I just think with the pitching that they've acquired now, it looks like it's definitely going to be the Rangers in my book. I don't think they're going to win a World Series. I don't think they're going to make it that far. I do believe that they will win the division, but I still have the Astros pegged for the ALCS. Yeah, at this point, I mean, the the, the Rangers rivalry is getting to be a rivalry, which is kind of nice. I mean, we, we used to steamroll them for the last, you know, probably, you know, eight years or so ever since the Astros have been hot. So it's nice to see that, you know, I think they give away the silver boot or something. We're still winning in that series. So that's something to watch as well because we've still got three games left. If we can take one more game, we will get the season series uh, from the Rangers, which, you know, could, could play into some tie break scenarios uh, in the AL West uh, if it comes down to that point. Um, I'm not sure what your, you know, what, what your, uh, your take is on how many games they might win the division by. Is it going to be really close? Because that, that's, a huge, that's a huge series coming up in the next month. Uh, to finish out the uh, the season series with the Rangers? Oh, I think it's going to be close. I don't think they win by more than two games. Three, oh, I'll go with three games. I think they won't win by more than three games. I just think they're starting pitching that, especially with what they acquired right now and grabbing a couple more arms in their bullpen, I just think they're going to get it done. I think if the Astros can get solidly into a wild card spot, they might just shut a couple guys down for the last couple games. And if they're not going to have any buys or anything like that going into the playoffs, then, hey, it's going to be what it is. Let's move forward. Let's just get into the wild card. Let's be healthy. And we know what to do in the playoffs. Let's go get the wins. So I think the Astros have an advantage. And I don't think winning the division means as much to the Astros' playoff run as it would to the Rangers. I don't think the Astros have anything to prove to themselves or the Rangers have something to prove to themselves. Let's keep moving around the league as well because there are some other trades um, and some other teams. As we mentioned, the Angels, they picked up uh, a couple of players. They're out there for – trying to give Otani some help and some support. They picked up C.J. Crone and Randall Gerchuk from great, the Colorado. Great check. Okay. Yep. That, Czechoslovakian. That, that's pronounced great check. G-R-I-C-H-U-K is great check. Okay. Czechoslovakian, baby. The only reason I know that is because uh, he is a Rocky. He's a first baseman. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Yeah, uh, Angels all in, you know, coming off the Lucas Gioletto jo- uh, trade that really shocked the, uh, the, the trade world just because it, it kind of proved everyone was saying Otani, might, they, they might not trade him, they might not trade him. Them going all in, moving some of their prospects, some of their really high pro- highly touted prospects to get Lucas Gioletto, uh, one of the uh, most highly rated starting pitchers on the market. Uh, the Astros were kind of involved in talks to kind of get him as well. Um, I know Dylan Cease's name came up, but we had talked about that earlier. Uh, I didn't think that that really was ever going to happen uh, just because I think the cost was going to be too much. Uh, but Lucas Gioletto was definitely on the radar, I believe. And once he uh, went to the Angels, uh, I think the Astros are now you're, – now you're seeing Dana Brown say, you know, we're not really interested in getting another starting pitching pitcher. Uh, they want to solidify that bullpen. But the Angels 
putting their money where their mouth is, uh, saying, hey, we're, we're, we're going to try to resign Shohei Otani. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, early predictions for me is that Shohei Otani ends up with the, drum roll please, San Francisco Giants. Um, I think they, they, they missed out on their superstar in last year's free agent sweepstakes. Um, that was just a loaded agent class, missing out on Aaron Judge and some of the other uh, some of the other uh, great great players that hit free agency, uh, like one Carlos Rea being uh, on the forefront as well. They were involved in talks with quite a few of those guys. Uh, didn't Correa get it done. Did, didn't get it done. Didn't get it done. Uh, and now San Francisco kind of just nipping at the Dodgers' heels. Look like they're ahead of schedule with their rebuild. They're still looking for that superstar and. Marketability-wise, and having a superstar, what better than Shohei Otani in San Francisco? Yeah, that's going to be a headline for this summer. I, well, I'm going to see how he finishes up with the Angels. If the Angels make a run or do something, he might just say, "Hey, I'm staying here. We got a team. They showed me last year. They're willing to go get the players, and I'm staying put." Uh, another trade I'd like to touch on, just because, as we all know, Joe Kelly. Heads from the White Sox back to the Dodgers. So Lance Lynn and reliever Joe Kelly are back, are going to the Dodgers from the Chicago White Sox. Uh, the White Sox got a outfielder in Trace Thompson, and and they got minor league starter, uh, minor league starter, and another minor league reliever. But Joe Kelly has had some great years for the Dodgers. It feels like he was always there. Famous with his glasses, especially made the playoff runs. He just, I don't know, he just feels like a Dodger guy. I feel like that's a good pickup for him. Feels like he's going to fit. He should fit right in. Everything will be comfortable for him. He'll know where he's at. Seems like a fan favorite to me out there in L.A. I don't know if that's the truth or not, but he always felt like a fan favorite when I watched him play. So, that's a fun one. I like seeing him going back to the Dodgers. So, yeah, Dodgers yeah. solidifying that bullpen. Definitely looking for a, a playoff push here. Uh, like I said before, San Francisco's nipping at their heels. I think they're only two games back, if I remember correctly. I hadn't looked at the standings uh, today, but I think they're right at two games back. Going back to the predictions, I did pick the uh, San Francisco Giants to overtake the Dodgers, which you know, looking right now is not looking the greatest as far as how the Giants have been playing, but we'll see how that goes. I, you know, I got, I got to go out on a limb on some things. It's so easy just to pick the Dodgers every year, every moment to win the uh, NL West because they've done it for so long, dominated that division. Yeah, and every year we also feel like the Padres are going to come up and do something, but whew, they're, if the Rockies weren't so bad, they'd be at the bottom of their division, so... The Rockies have been the, the, the dwellers in the cellar. <laughs> we like to stay here, here in Denver <laughs> for a long time. Uh, there, there's definitely Dodger blue hate in, in the state of Colorado whenever it comes to that division. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Well, man, you want to finish up anything on the MLB trades or you want to get into some NFL? I think that pretty much you know closes us up for MLB trades. We're going to see a lot more uh, movement happening. Uh, but I am surprised that some of these trades have started to happen, trickle in a little bit earlier than normal years. Uh, it always seems like it comes down to the deadline, and it's usually the day before we see a lot of these trades happen. Obviously, a lot of 
conjecture about whether that's going to happen or what, who's going to be involved. But uh, a lot of these trades seem to, I don't know if it's because of the expanded wild card and the other team, uh, you know, the, 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 the extra team in each league that is now in, in the playoffs. seems like there's more teams that feel like they've got a chance to sneak in there. So maybe some of these trades, we're going to start seeing them happen a little bit, uh, a little bit earlier than what we see in other years. Who knows, this year might be just an outlier that this is how it's operating, but it does seem to look like, at least to me, it seems like they are uh, they started a little bit earlier. I wasn't expecting some of these trade dominoes to, to start until uh, mid this week. Well, the deadline's going to be on Tuesday. I was also going to think maybe some of these players and some of these trades wouldn't happen just for that same reason. Just thinking that, hey, we still feel like we're in it. And that's what happened with the Cubs. The Cubs are saying, hey, we're still in it. We're not making any trades. And they haven't done anything, though. So they gotta, they're going to have to make a trade and try and get better. But they're not going to get rid of Stroman, and they're not going to get rid of Bellinger. But you know what? Let's, let's keep it moving, man. Let's get on the NFL. Let me kind of beat up some we, of the trade we, talk. And... We, 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 didn't want, we didn't want to hit on uh, the Yankees here. Not today. No. You, you don't feel like talking I, about a... I don't think last place teams that aren't going to make the playoffs are deserving of this podcast at this point. If they can do something and show me something, then I can get their name back in my mouth. But I'm, I'm not here to talk about last place teams. We're here to talk about winners. I, I, I will say that Aaron Judge made his comeback this weekend, so I think that's newsworthy whenever the you know well, the uh, reigning AL... Last, last place. <laughs> when the, last when, place when the... is last place. <laughs> When the reigning AL MVP comes back, I think it's something we need to touch on a little bit. But we'll, we'll, so he did make his return. Um, but yeah, they, it, it doesn't seem to be helping much. Uh, he's not going to be 100% healthy this year. Uh, he might be looking at surgery next year, but uh, we, can, uh, we can move on. It does look like the Yankees might not be buyers, um, especially hey, hey, dropping, dropping a few more games. Dropping a few more games against Baltimore. So I'll leave it at yeah. that. No, that's enough talk about that. We're. You know what? Until they get out of last place, they're not allowed back on this podcast. Unless they make a trade that's noteworthy or do anything, that, or unless they play the Astros, they're not allowed back on. We're, we're banning last place teams. We're putting you in relegation. You got to do good to get back on the pod. You got a mouse in your pocket over there with saying we over there? That... Yeah, yeah, maybe I do. But anyway, <laughs> let, let's keep it moving. Let's get to the NFL. Yeah, I don't think Jerry really makes, you know, uh, definitive statements most of the time. But he definitely has been pretty definitive on this. Uh, we've been waiting for sound bites to hear from Jerry about what, we, what he's going to do with the Zach Martin situation. And, uh, yeah, it seems that his, his position right now is that he doesn't have to do anything. So he's, he's throwing that ball back into Zach Martin's court saying, hey, if you want to sit out for the rest of training camp, I think it's going to cost him something in the neighborhood of $2 million. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how, how that plays out. And uh, at some point, the law of diminishing returns, if you're not going to get another contract, Zach Martin is under contract for the next two years. But Jerry kind of went into specifics on this one. And I don't know if it was kind of a shot towards Zach saying, hey, you know, we we have a contract with you. That's why we, that's why we signed the contract. You got paid. I understand you, you want to be, you want to get paid more money, but uh, you know, we paid you top of the market league or top of the market guard money. You set the market four years ago, whenever you signed this contract and now you want another bite at the apple. 
It doesn't really work very well for our salary cap situation with the looming deals that need to be done. One being Dakota Prescott, uh, that deal needs to be done. And uh, also Micah Parsons, who, you know, is going to be coming up and eligible for an extension next year. He's saying, hey, we, we got to build this team and, and your, 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 your slice of the pie of the free of the uh, of the, the salary cap pie, so to speak, has already been taken. And uh, we can't redo everybody's contract whenever they want it. And they're under contract because that directly affects whether uh, we're going to be able to sign some of our young guys and, and keep this roster together competing for, uh, well, I guess, NFC East titles. You could say I would say they're trying to compete for more than that, but. That has not happened over the last few years, obviously. So what, what's your take on that, DB, on the, the, the hardball negotiation tactics of one Jerry Jones? I'm not paying this guy. At some point in time, you drafted him, you paid him well. He had another con- – his contract was time to come up. You paid him well. I mean, he's 32 years old. He's been in the league for nine years. It's going to be his 10th year. His contract's running him through when he's 34 years old. You've got other players, as you mentioned, old Rain Dakota, one of the best names in football, Rain Dakota Prescott, a.k.a. Dak Prescott. You just you got Micah Parsons. You just paid Diggs. You're going to have – I don't know where C.D. Lamb is, but that's going to be another contract that's going to come up. At some point in time, you're going to have to say, look, I'm going to draft somebody else. I'm not going to pay you. I'm not going to tack on extra years. I'm not going to make you the highest paid player again. If I'm going to make you a top 10, top 10, so you're compensated great. Show up or get fined $50,000 a day. And I bet you got to pay your agent off $13.5 million that you're making this year. So if you're – he's going to end up paying – Three million off of his salary, he's not even going to touch. So I, I don't know what he thinks he's going to do, how he's going to do it. He's not going to get get his deal. They're going to let him sit. They'll bring in somebody else. Worst comes to worst, I bet you you can make a trade for him. But guess what? Somebody else might not want to pay you either. You got you're under team control. You have years left on your contract. You need to play your contract at this point in time. I don't know what else to tell him. I would. He's got this year, next year. If I was in his corner, I'd tell him, hey, dude, you're not going to win this battle. The Cowboys, like you said, don't ever go against players. Jerry Jones is one of the most player-friendly owners in all sports. So if he's coming after you and against you on this one, you're screwed. You might as well just suck it up and get to practice, bro. Drama in Oxnard, <laughs> like always. Uh, this is a little bit different because the Cowboys historically do like to to do these longer term deals. Um, I think it was a six year deal whenever Zach signed it. I believe. Yeah, it was six um, years and eighty four million. Yeah, so uh, I mean, the Cowboys historically like to do these longer term deals to get to stretch the contracts to six years to be able to move money around to spread that cap hit uh, across the, the life of the contract or put an escape hatch in that contract after year four, kind of like what they did with the Ezekiel Elliott deal. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because this is one of your best players we're talking about. And you've had players like Dak Prescott and Micah Parsons come out and say, hey, we, we need this guy. This guy's a, uh, a captain. 
uh, we need this guy, pay the man, you know? The, the Cowboys players have not been silent on this, but that is opening up a uh, Pandora's box, in my opinion. And it kind of, it's on both sides, because Jerry's kind of damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. Because the Cowboys, like I was saying, historically like to have these longer contracts that run. The one exception to that would be the Dak Prescott deal. They tried to get a, an additional year onto that contract, but Dak would not budge. He would not give them the five years or, or the sixth, the sixth year, excuse me. Uh, he only signed a five-year deal. Um, and, and, you know, that kind of put a little bit of a wrinkle in things. That's why we're talking about Dak's next deal already, because he wanted to get, you know, as much money as possible, which I understand. But if you, if you're not willing to renegotiate kind of like what the LA Rams did with Aaron Donald, I think it was last year where Aaron Donald was under contract just like this. And he said, Hey, and I think that might be why Zach Martin's doing what he's doing. Top of the position, you know, top player at his position, just like Aaron Donald you know, trying to get that deal. Are, are some of these guys going to shy away from doing the Cowboys a favor, so to speak, and giving them yeah. an extra year? Because that's kind of, the, I mean, that extra year is really hurting Zach Martin at this point because he's saying, hey, my contract isn't where it needs to be. I mean, contracts go up. The salary cap goes up. When you sign and you're the highest paid player four years later, you're not going to be the highest paid player at that position. That's just life in the NFL. Yeah, so it's interesting to see if now these other players like, Micah Parsons, whenever he comes up, is he willing to give Jerry the longer contract to help the team out and help him manage that cap a little bit better? If he doesn't take care, you know, you, you, if being Jerry, you can't say, hey, you know, if, if you're under, you know, I'll, I'll redo your contract at some point because he's not setting that precedent. So will that affect future negotiations with pending free agents uh, moving forward to get him to sign that longer deal? Zach Martin's going to lose this one. That's at the end of the day, bottom line, that's what's going to happen. I don't know where they're all going to go. He's going to – you're just going to have to figure out contracts. There's just so much money. There's a hard cap in the NFL. You can only pay everybody so much. And if you want to win, you're just going to have to deal with it. And if you don't – if you're upset because your deal is too long, it was six years, guess what? You hired the agent that negotiated it. You agreed to it. This isn't on anybody. This isn't on the team, man. This one's on you. Your CBA is here. This is what it is. When you want changes, when the CBA is up, that's going to be your time. And you're going to have to readjust the franchise tag because we know the running backs are definitely going to be looking at that. And you're going to have to readjust what your contracts are. And as the cap changes and as players get paid, how are you going to restructure these contracts? Otherwise, we're, this is going to be a stalemate between owners and players for years and years to come. And it is going to be that stalemate for a little while, but the problem is the owners have the power. If you're a player, the owners have the power. So you're going to have to figure out exactly what you're going to do and how much it all matters to you. And in Jonathan Taylor's case, I get it. His total cash for this year is $4.3 million. He's been one of the most productive running backs in the NFL. I know last year was a little bit of a down year for him, some injuries. The Colts weren't good. But why am I giving you the contract now? Play it. Maybe we'll extend you during the season. We do see players get extended regularly during the NFL season. So, hey, you come out, you have a good first half of the year. You ask for it again. As a running back, no, he's not going to get it. They'll just franchise tag him. 
draft somebody else and move on. But Jonathan Taylor, he again, second round pick. So we'll see how it goes and we'll see what he does moving forward and see how the Colts handle this situation, man. But they got to have yeah. a running back and they got to have somebody for Anthony Edwards. If Anthony Edwards is going to be their starter, you're going to have to have somebody there for him who's going to be his weapon. Yeah, I think uh, it's an interesting dynamic with Jonathan Taylor here because, you know, you just saw Saquon Barkley, one of the best running backs in the league. Um, He's had his injury problems. Yes, he has. But all running backs seem to go through a little bit of that every once in a while. I mean, he's playing on the franchise tag this year. So, I mean, to have Jonathan Taylor a year before he's about to set to hit free agency to say, I want a new contract or I'm going to get traded. Seems like he's overplaying his hand a little bit. You know, but from the player's perspective, to, to just play devil's advocate, I know you mentioned, uh, DB, I know you mentioned that, uh, you know, they're under contract, and this kind of goes back to the Zach Martin deal, too. Uh, that, you know, the retort for that from the player's standpoint would be like, yeah, but you guys can cut me at any time, right? Yeah, you, you don't have to honor the contract, so why should I, right? And, and that is the way, that, that's the way that these guys negotiated it in the CBA, so if they want something different, they should have went to the table whenever they were whenever they were um, um, in collective bargaining uh, process. They this should have came up, but I think you're seeing it play out that the NFL Players Union Association, excuse me, is the weakest players association out of the big three. I mean, it seems like their deals that they negotiate every time always seem to be in favor of the owners for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just because it's a team sport and it's not as superstar driven, but that is happening. And if they want to change it, there's a time and place going to Jim Irsay's comments that there's a time and place. And now is not the time nor the place to be doing this. I guess we'll just see how it plays out. And and, they got a long time to renegotiate that CBA. I think the CBA is, I mean, they just, a 10-year deal a few years ago. So you're looking at at least, you know, what, seven years before that's up? Yeah, I also think one of the things, like you said, their players' union probably is the weakest. They also have the most players. It's the hardest to get everybody on the same page. You've got just as many teams as every other professional sport, but you've got 53 players that are on your active roster every weekend, and then you also have your practice squad players. They're a part of it. There's not another sport, a professional sport, that's got a practice squad that's coming in on the CBA. The NBA is not going to have a practice squad. You're in the D League. Or you're, not, you're not negotiating the CBA. If you're on a practice squad team, you could have been a practice squad guy for three years in the NFL. Hey, you're a part of the CBA because it's going to affect what your salary is. So I think it's more difficult for the NFL to get the CBA done on the players end than any other, any other sports organization that we have. It's a major sports organization. So, yeah, I mean, just to hit on that MLB, for instance, I mean, all the guys that are in the minors, uh, they're exempt from the uh, MLB. They have different standards. It's a different players association. They're not getting paid the compensation that they, that the guys at the big boy parks at the, at the big league clubs are getting. And once you make it into the, uh, into the show in general, uh, you then get the protection under that MLB clause or in the, the MLB Players Association. Uh, but if, once you're drafted, it's not like you, you are under that and you get to negotiate that because that's, uh, that, I think that's the big difference that you're kind of hitting on 
And that, yeah. that would directly affect how many players are negotiating uh, that you're negotiating for. So no doubt, I agree with you. Yeah, it's just there's a lot of players there. Uh, the current CBA expires in March of 2030. It was put in place in 2020. So we'll see what happens. They've got seven years. <laughs> They're already upset with what they negotiated three years ago. That's a <laughs> god damn man. They all they made it what 30 percent of their negotiation. I know a good negotiation is when both sides leave unhappy, but. Good Lord, the owners, I think, are smiling. This probably wasn't a good negotiation. But, I mean. <laughs> well, yeah, they also, gave them, they also gave them the 50000 in fines, you know, to, hold, to, to keep players like the Ezekiel oh. Elliott situation from happening, where you can just waive the fines once we get it figured out. So they added some teeth to that. Now you're going to see that play out in the Zach Martin holdout and, and any other player that holds out. If decides doesn't want to show up, I guess you could put Jonathan Taylor in this in this uh, situation as well. I'm not sure if he's come out and said that he's not going to training camp or if he arrived. Is he holding out? They're going to put him on the NIF list, the non-football injury Oh, list. yes, you mentioned that. Sorry. So he's not – yeah, I think there was some mention of him holding out. They're putting him on this list. So he really can't do anything. It handcuffs him. It's a non-football injury. Doesn't he won't be fined? I don't know all the details of the NIF list. I think some of the bonuses might not get paid, but looking at his contract, he doesn't have any big bonuses for training camp or anything. His salary's pretty straightforward. We'll see what what goes on. I think he's going to be with his team first week of the season or so. He's going to lose this holdout. But to stick with running backs. Um, it looks like Dalvin Cook might be joining the Jets. He was at practice with them. They did have another good rookie running back last year that came through, which was Brees Hall out of Iowa State. But then he ended up getting hurt. He was a fantasy darling for me. Maybe we'll be looking at his injuries and where he'll be. But uh, once he went down, I had to make some scrambles to win my league. But keep it moving with that. If Dalvin Cook signs, Dalvin Cook's been one of the top producing running backs in the NFL the last couple of years, the Vikings parted ways with them showing again. I mean, this has just been a theme for this podcast on the mistreatment of running backs, but it's gotta be to me, the top story in the NFL right now, week in and week out because we're seeing guys again, Dalvin cook just still looking for a team and it could be the jets. And if it's the jets and Brees Hawkins back, he goes from being a featured running back to maybe a third down back, a guy who's splitting time, devaluing the running back again. Hey, he was really good. You know what? Let's take him on. We can not use our guy Breach Hall as much, and we'll move from there. So we'll see what happens. Your boy Ezekiel Elliott was up with the Patriots and still nothing with him. Yep, for sure. Uh, just sticking with the Jets. I know the Jets have been in the headlines quite a bit. Aaron Rodgers coming out and basically pushing back on Sean, ba- Sean Payton's comments. I thought it was funny. He, he, it seems like the Jets are definitely getting ready for hard knocks. It should be nice. I know we, we, we all talked about how uh, you know hard knocks might be the most boring season we've had just because they're limiting the access. We'll see how that plays out, and we'll see uh, you know what the production value is. But uh, Aaron Rodgers coming out and saying – you know, straight Will Smith saying, keep my name of my, keep the name of my cute or of my uh, head coach out of your mouth, basically, uh, Sean Payton. You don't know what you're talking about. I think the, uh, I don't know if you saw the comments from Sean Payton 
talking about the Jets, which is is kind of unheard of. I haven't really seen many many coaches talking about other teams and other team situations. He, he basically came out in so so many words and says he he sees the Jets season going like the way the Broncos season went last year. They bring in a lot of heralded guys. There's a lot of hype, and then just falling flat on your face. Aaron Rodgers, in true Cal quarterback form, comes out and says, you know, I'm not having any of that. Stop talking about my my uh, my head coach, which, uh, you know, Rodgers isn't known for sticking up for his head coach very often. No, I think he got a little Marshawn Lynch in him. He got that little Cal going and came out and said it. And Nathaniel Hackett is the offensive coordinator. He did an abysmal job with Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos last year. Or so I think we'll see what Sean Payton does this year. And maybe Russell Wilson just isn't the guy that I think he is. I still think Russell Wilson is a good quarterback. I don't know why I have such high hopes for him and such faith in him. I think he is a good quarterback. I think the Broncos had some things going on last year. I think they're going to get worked out. They got a real leader in Sean Payton. And I, I, the Jets got a good coach, but I've never seen the coach feud like this. Like, I, just, did Hack, straight did up, Hackett straight under? Up. Was Hackett ever under Sean Payton? I don't, I don't, I don't so. remember he, him. He, he came from the Green Bay tree. I think it was from the Mike McCarthy tree, maybe. I'm, I'm not totally sure. Okay, or, hold on. I got it right here. He was the OC with the Bills in 2013 through 14, the quarterback's coach with the Jags 2015 through 16, and then the offensive coordinator for them the next three seasons. From there, he went to Green Bay. So he's got his history with Rodgers, as we all know. Yeah. And then the head coach for the Broncos last year. So, no, I don't – it's really weird. Maybe Sean Payton just wants to insult the guy he replaced. I don't know why <laughs> yeah, he's going to keep crazy. his fucking mouth shut and move <laughs> it's on. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely crazy. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it's nuts. I mean, Sean Payton just goes straight shots fired. I mean, that's a, <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. So, I mean, so – you know, put October 22nd, circle that thing on your calendars because, uh, um, or October 8th, excuse me. Uh, October 8th, circle that on the calendars when the Jets come to town, come to, 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 to Denver to, uh, to meet uh, Sean Payton. So we're going to see those guys, uh, you know, go head to head. So it'll be not only Russell Wilson versus Aaron Rodgers, but it's going to be Sean Payton versus Nathaniel Hackett. And yeah. uh, Nathaniel Hackett w- w- is not going to be well received in Bronco country. I will tell you that right now. No, and it's just so weird that it, I mean, because he was fired before the end of the year, but it's so weird that a head coach is going after the offensive coordinator. And I'm looking at his whole history. He never coached at all. He was never quality control. He was never a front office job. Anything with Sean Payton besides being fired towards the end of the season from the team Payton takes over. So... All right, let, let's see it. Maybe there won't be any handshakes after that game. Everyone Sean will be Payton, talking about it. Sean Payton just sticking up for the organization that basically just gave him everything he wanted and gave up a lot to get him. So I guess he's he's feeling like he's bleeding orange and blue right now. And so he's like, let me just take a shot out of the former head coach and say, hey, this guy can't coach basically at all. And uh, it's not going to work out. I don't care what kind of talent you give this guy. 
Uh, you could give him a, you know, a Hall of Fame quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, and it doesn't matter because we already saw this play out, and it was a train wreck. And uh, I just find it fascinating that Sean Payton would even go there. You just don't see head coaches talk about other head coaches in the league like that. No. Didn't Rodgers – I mean, let's look this up. I think Rodgers won an MVP with Nathaniel Hackett. And then the other point of this is just to see Aaron Rodgers sticking up for his new head coach. I mean, we've saw, we've we 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 never saw Aaron Rodgers uh, sticking up for uh, Mike Mike Ooh. McCarthy, and Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl with him for God's sake. So no, he did not like Mike McCarthy at all. So it's just, just fascinating. One of those things that we can definitely tune into Hard Knocks. I guess uh, maybe uh, Sean Payton owns some stock in uh, in HBO and Warner Brothers or something. Uh, he's trying to boost the ratings for a a a, a hard knocks that that is being touted as possibly not being that good this year. Yeah. Well, you know what? He did win an MVP with Nathaniel Hackett. He won we two. Not he won back to back MVPs with Nathaniel yeah. ha- with Nathaniel Hackett. And you would, don't would, think this is going to be a good offense? You're would, would we not have else. a real NFL offseason without Aaron Rodgers crying about something, though? I mean, my God. <laughs> this, one, this one, he might be warranted, though. I mean, this one honesty. Is, he does cry a lot, but this one's warranted. Keep it moving. We've been hitting up contracts. We've been letting you guys know who's signing, who's doing some different things. Daniel Hunter, the pass rusher for the Vikings, did get a one-year deal. For this year, worth up to twenty million, he's got seventeen million guaranteed and three million in sack incentives with the new agreement for his one-year deal. And he had been a holdout as well, so this is pretty good for them. Marcus Davenport also got a one-year deal, and Davenport will be making thirteen million. So they've kind of shored up some of their pass rushers there with the Vikings, just more or less. Not getting too deep into the Vikings, but just letting you guys know some of the big contracts before we get lost into Aaron Rodgers for 20 more minutes. Just cracking (laughs) jokes and laughing at him. But but I I just had to make a move for the people before before we go off the rails. It it, it actually, you know, uh, Sean Payton did come out Friday and said that he regretted his comments. uh, um, But that wasn't enough to spare uh, him from the wrath of, uh, of, of the quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, let's let's keep it moving. It's fascinating to me, though. So I'm definitely tuning into Hard Knocks for that first first episode. So maybe Sean Payton's trying to get HBO Max subscriptions uh, uh, fired up here. There's NFL kind of the weekend. Nothing too crazy. There's been a lot of talk about Travis Kelsey getting in a little couple little skirmishes, going after his team. Uh, looks like the Browns had a player who got injured during. A little dust up at practice uh, between the offense and defense in the team's final practice at the Greenbrier Resort. Tyrone Wheatley Jr. gets injured, man. That's too bad. You don't want to see anybody get injured during a team fight. You don't want to see anyone get injured ever. Sorry, I I want to make sure that's out there. I'm not rooting for anyone to get injured uh, unless it's like a stub toe and they're playing my team and they're going to miss a game with a stub toe. I'm good with that. Something along those lines, but you know, I don't want to see people getting hurt from throwing punches and maybe have to sit out a few weeks or anything like that. Because, especially as we talked about it, the NFL does these guys don't play for long. If you get hurt at any point in time, and especially in a fight, 
that's not good for your career trajectory. And the NFL stands for not for long, not National Football League, but you got to protect who you are. Wheatley, uh, I think this is his first year with the Browns as well. So, yeah, we haven't we haven't we haven't hit up on much injury news. There hasn't been a whole lot coming out of camp. Thank mm-hmm. thank God for that. Uh, but I, the the one injury that's been on everybody's mind, I think, is uh, what went down in Cincinnati. I mean, Joe Burrow carted off of the field. Uh, I think it's some kind of calf injury. It doesn't look to be that serious, but he's going to miss some time and probably going to miss uh, most of the preseason from what I've seen. But uh, Joe Burrow, I mean, there's, there's, there's not many names bigger than Joe Burrow whenever it comes to the NFL. No, especially not right now. And especially not where he is. The Ohio kid went to Ohio State. Let's always remember, Ohio State fans love Joe Burrow. Y'all didn't give him a chance to play. He had to go to LSU and show you he was the best quarterback in the country. Win a national championship. And Ohio State fans love to remind you he went there. But I love to remind them he didn't play. So a lot of women out there are crushed because Joe Burrow, cool Joe Burrow, is uh, not going to be in preseason. I know there's probably some lucky lady somewhere who's spending every night with them and kind of happy about it though. Um, but yeah, it does. It's just a calf injury. It's not supposed to be anything serious. It's always a little scary because it was a non-contact injury. And when somebody goes down non-contact, you get a little nervous and a little bit worried because it's usually not, it's usually more serious. That's where you get tears and you have, you get knee injuries and ankle injuries that become nagging injuries over the course of the season. So I know with all the money they're paying him, everything else that he means to that, just the state of Ohio, probably making the Bengals the favorite team in Ohio. Cincinnati loves them. Everyone loves him. I'm a fan of them. I'm sure you are. They're just going to be precautious with him. And if I was an owner, coach, anybody at all in that organization, I would have to do the same thing. He is your generational talent that's going to keep your team running forever. I mean, I guess you're, he's your Carson Palmer, so to speak. I guess that's the last <laughs> real, real good Bengals quarterback. I, I think he's maybe, maybe Boomer Esiason. Yeah, Boomer just felt like so old that Carson <laughs> was in there, right? Like Boomer just, God, it was so long ago. But Boomer did get him to the Super Bowl back in the day and made a couple really good runs with them. Actually, to be honest with you, when Boomer was there, Chris Collinsworth, the announcer, was with yep. the Bengals and Boomer Esiason. Fun fact, yeah. you know what uh, NCAA Chris Collinsworth holds with about 50 other people? Longest uh, touchdown pass. Longest touchdown pass. Wow, I did not if know you remember, that. He was a quarterback when he got to Florida, and the wide receiver, for all you guys who used to watch NBA TV back on Saturday mornings during your Saturday morning cartoons, Ahmad Rashad was the wide receiver who caught the pass from Chris Collinsworth for a 99-yard touchdown pass, which is the longest that you can record in football. Ahmad Rashad. We're, we're going all the way. I, I definitely remember that. I definitely remember NBA, uh, NBA TV. <laughs> I forgot yeah. the name of it, but he was there. He had 30 minutes of Ahmad, Ahmad Rashad inside every the NBA, morning. Inside something, was that what it was called? I, I think that, that was up. on ESPN. I, I don't remember the name of the show. 
Man, you, you caught me on that one. I just remember the show. It was right there with your morning cartoons and your Saved by the Bell and everything else that was on. Yeah. Oh, I remember man. that. Good. NBA Rewind, maybe. That's exactly what it was. NBA Rewind with Ahmad Rashad. Oh, we're going we're going straight 90s here. I like it. Next thing you know, we're going to be playing some Nirvana or something up in here. Oh, my God. A little teen spirit coming down. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> some pearl jam to follow it up to keep it seattle i mean if we're talking straight 90s we might be talking about the wwe or wwf versus wcw wars too i know there's a lot of that going on on saturday mornings oh they were man. competing and their monday nights you had the nwo and d generation x what we were wrestling fans if you can't tell i think everybody was in the 90s we're channeling our true millennial generation here aren't we oh yeah, I mean, we're at the old end of the millennials. We're barely in, but we're technically in there. Yeah, that's, Man, that uh, was... I, I, haven't, I haven't heard NBA Rewind in a long time. That's that's great. <laughs> and every, I'm sure everybody appreciates that uh, blast from the past there. We, we got from Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals and made the connection to the NBA Rewind pretty quickly. Yeah, we're, we're, we're shooting from the hip here on DB and the Heap. All day, every day, we're shooting from the hip. <laughs> Yeah, apparently, because I don't think anybody else is making that connection. So that's uh, exclusive content for you right there, guys. We might as well talk, start talking about uh, having a home phone and whenever it's in the kitchen, that that really long cord that everybody had in their kitchen phone. Oh, that usually just get <laughs> tangled and drive you nuts trying to untangle that's, it? That's right, exactly. Take like three hours to get that thing untangled. You just sit there and, and let it go. Probably yeah, about 25 feet long. You were, going, you were trying to go hide in the laundry room or the nearest bathroom when that girl called or boy called for whoever's listening, and you just right. go in there, and you're trying to hide so your parents don't hear you. You're talking to them or trying to figure out how you're sneaking out of the house this weekend. You guys are all going to go rap or roll your neighbor's house or your the person down the street. Oh, you were coordinating everything, and... Little were you ever thinking that your parents just walked in the other room, picked up the other phone, and listened to you the whole time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, it, it, the embarrassing moments whenever your, your, uh, your parents start to just dial right away without knowing that there's somebody on the phone. <laughs> Mom, get off the phone! <laughs> Ma, the meatloaf! Bring me the meatloaf! <laughs> I, I had two sisters, so the phone was dominating in my house. Hey, I got a girl that might call me. I would be like, well, you're not getting through. We got to call waiting. Sister be like, yeah, he'll call you back two hours later. Hey, you got to call this person. I think that's how you knew if you were solid middle class, if you actually had call waiting on the phone. Because it was an upgrade. I mean, I don't it, think a lot of people know upgrade. that. It was you know, an upgrade. We, 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 probably, we probably have some Gen Zers on here that are like, what is a home phone? Like, I don't even we, know what that is. We've got half of the millennials like, what are they talking about? Call waiting. Yeah, exactly. What do you mean that was an upgrade? So, yeah, that was that was the thing, man. But, uh, and, and if you could have a separate line as well for the internet connection, you know, you, you were definitely living high on the hog because there's nothing worse than oh. picking up the phone and you hear the, the internet connection. Oh, dad's on the internet. He's trying to check his uh, TD Ameritrade account. Yeah. Call, hey, there was no call waiting when somebody was on the internet. So you just people would just be calling and getting a busy signal at that point in time. And then if you had your own home phone line, you were basically rich. So. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, I guess we should probably get back into football, huh? Wrap this up with a couple. Yeah, for sure. Let's last wrap minute it up. things. What do you uh, What do you got for the end of football? Anything else you got for us? 
don't really think I have too much. I mean, it's just really looking forward to things getting fired up, camps in full swing, and uh, getting to see some of this stuff go down. Uh, you, you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott going to the Pats, or not going to the Pats, but visiting with the Pats. It'd be really nice to see him sign somewhere. Uh, I think his career is definitely not over. He's, he's definitely got something to offer. Um, I just wonder if uh, if uh, he just thinks that he's worth more than what he's the, the value that he's getting out there. Um, so I, I want to see him end up somewhere. Be nice to see 21. Uh, I, I wish him all the best. He was a soldier for, for the, uh, well, I, I don't want to say soldier because I, I think uh, one Kellen Winslow Jr. got in trouble for that. Uh, so not, not a literal soldier here. But Kellen he was, Winslow he was, he, got in trouble for a lot. Yes, he did. Uh, I think, is he still in prison? I think he's I mean, in prison he, for like 50 years. Yeah. So uh, obviously he's holding down the uh, Miami Hurricane status uh, very well there. Um, but also, you know, NCAA football, we're, we're going to be uh, firing that up pretty soon. Uh, get into that. Get into some of our predictions. Looking forward to, to that. Um, that's going to be, you know, right around the corner here. So we're, uh, we're coming up on it. Yeah, uh, NCAA starts this week. So the real camp, everything starts this week. Everything else has kind of just been team building. But fall camp is this week. This is when it's all going to come down. We'll try and get you some – we will get you some NCAA guys that are going to come on and talk with us a little bit, give us some insider perspective. This is what they do for a living. Um, so you'll take know more than we do. They're breaking down defense and offense. Doesn't, doesn't take much to, to know more than me on that, that, on that, person, on that deal. Yeah, uh, I think I guess a, so. big, big, big news here, though, in NCAA football uh, – as far as conference realignments, uh, looks like the Pac-12 is uh, just drowning right now. Uh, University of Colorado, right in my neck of the woods up in Boulder, uh, came out and uh, said that they are leaving for the Big 12. Back to the Big 12. Back to the Big 12. There's going to be some more shakeup with that. That It looks to be pretty much official. You know what else? When we're talking about conference shift-ups, I want to touch more about this, but there's going to be some teams – that have real potential to be leaving their conferences this year with the conference championship. You know what? Let's get into some NCAA on Wednesday. Uh, I want to wrap this up. I got one thing I do want to say. I do cheer for the Texans. I'm a Lions fan, but I do cheer for the Texans. And John Menchie the third has been back at practice. He was diagnosed with leukemia last year in July of 2022 for everybody who doesn't know or doesn't remember. And he's back on the field. He's back in training camp. It's glad to see he's healthy. I don't care if you dislike the Texans, you're not a fan of them. If you're not rooting for a guy who just beat leukemia and is coming back to play football, I don't like you very much, and your opinion doesn't matter to me. So we we cheer for guys like this over here, and we want to see people, like I said, we don't want to see injuries, and we want to see people healthy. And to me, this is always a story that I love to see. He was able to beat this. He's a young guy. And I hope he comes back and has a great year for the Texans, man. Yeah, absolutely. Glad you brought that up, DB. Um, you know, uh, kudos to him for working his butt off, getting 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 back in shape, uh, beating leukemia. That's uh, just to be able to beat it is one thing, but to come back and be able to contribute on a pro football team and play, uh, be an athlete, that's pretty incredible. I think everybody in America loves uh, loves comeback stories. We can all unite around that, and uh, it's definitely one of those. It, it fits that bill. Yeah. Hey, anybody out there who's sick, who's battling, doing all these things, we, we've got a lot of love for you. We're on your side. We're in your camp. 
we're hoping for you to get healthy and beat it all, man. So that's I, I just want I had to touch on that before we leave. But you know what? We're gonna get into a lot of college football on Wednesday for everybody. I think we've neglected that a little bit just because it hasn't been there, but I'm excited with camps coming. And then we'll touch on some more NFL because we'll have some camps and we'll wrap up the MLB trade deadline. It'll have hit. We'll know who's made the trades, who the real buyers and sellers were. Every, for everybody out there, make sure you like, follow, subscribe. DB and the Heeb all spelled out. Also email us, dbandtheheeb at gmail.com. Go ahead make sure you listen, subscribe, follow, rate us five stars, anything you can do to show love and help us out, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, we'll try to fit in a little bit of Yankee update. You know, I'll see if I can get DB to let, let us talk about that for a little bit. But, but we, we appreciate everybody that, that tunes in. Hopefully you like the content. Uh, we're, we're just getting started. We're, we're trying to figure our way out here. Hopefully you guys like it. Uh, like he said, like, subscribe, anything you can do to help us out. Email us. Let us know what you want to talk about. And, uh, yeah, be, be good to yourself. Be good to others. And, uh, you know, just spread love. And, uh, you know, looking forward to a great football season and uh, everything else we've got going. Well, I'll talk to you soon. And everybody else, 